0: Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets.
1: Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I'd like to welcome you to the bull bear banter. Tom Guinan is joining me, and he's going to recap the corn and soybean markets for the week. Tom,
0: On Friday, July 31st, September corn futures gained a quarter of a cent, ending at 316, and that is down 10 and a quarter from last Friday. December corn also gained a quarter of a cent today, ending at 327, losing 8 for the week. November and January soybeans both gained 4 and a quarter today, but both also lost 6 and 3 quarter for the week, with November ending at 892 and a half, and January closing at 898. The big story this week was China taking another step forward to meet their phase one agreement with a very large purchase of U.S. corn. Announced on Thursday morning, they bought 1.937 million metric tons of new crop corn. This is their largest single day purchase of corn and equates to a little more than 76 million bushels. Their second largest purchase of U.S. corn was earlier this month when they bought 1.76 million metric tons, which is just over 69 million bushels. This is also the third largest export sale of corn ever. You have to go way back to 1991 to find a larger sale, when the USSR bought 3.7 million metric tons, or close to 145 million bushels. You know it's a long time ago when we're referencing the USSR. Add just those two July purchases from China together, and they would be slightly more than that USSR sale. At the time it was initially announced on Thursday morning, the corn market bounced a little higher and at one point was up almost 4 cents. But as more people started to weigh in with some comments, it sounds like this sale had been anticipated for a couple of weeks. At the end of the day, corn was up only a quarter of a cent Thursday, as the talk turned back to the crop in the field getting better and weather forecasts turning more favorable. So I guess we just keep our fingers crossed and hope for more sales to China over the next 12 months. A quick note here the next couple of weeks, Cheyenne and I will be alternating weeks of vacation, but we will still update the markets and the bull bear factors each week. They may just have a slightly different feel to them. So, with that, I'll walk through the bull factors this week and let Cheyenne handle the bear factors. On the bull side for corn, along with the large Chinese purchases of corn during July, if you add that to the large sales of Chinese corn from their own reserves, it really makes me wonder what exactly is going on over there. As I've looked into it, it sounds like a combination of several items coming together at once A. They are rebuilding their hog herd, B. They are fighting food price inflation, and C. There's some speculation that they want to get ahead of any resurgence of COVID and get feed and food lined up in case that happens. A former colleague of mine who had spent part of his career in Asia once told me the thing that the Chinese ruling party fears most is hungry people. They will sometimes do abnormal things to ensure people have food. They do not want to have people starve or riot because of it. I'd love to be able to tell you that the export sales were great last week, but they really weren't. Next week's report should be impressive, but we already know that, so it might not help much it does still appear that we'll hit the USDA's previous estimate by the end of August. Ethanol production increased last week to 282 million gallons after the dip to 267 million that we saw the previous week. Note, we're still using about 6 million less bushels every week versus last year. Ethanol stocks did rise last week from 832 million to 851 million gallons, but that is significantly below this time last year when we were above 1 billion gallons. Gasoline demand was also up about 3% last week, hitting 8.809 million barrels per day, but that's still about 8% below last year. One thing that we and others in the industry are keeping an eye on is the money flows between equities and commodities. It's been well covered that there have been some rather large purchases of gold and silver recently. Gold is up about 10% in the month of July alone and hit a new high earlier this week at about $1,981 per ounce exceeding the high of $1,921 set in September of 2011. We are now hearing that some fund traders are looking at buying grains. If these funds that have been riding the stock market higher begin to lose confidence and start looking to buy commodities, maybe we'll see them buying anything and everything they can get their hands on. Gold, silver, copper, crude oil, wheat, corn, soybeans. Maybe that will help us at some point. The U.S. dollar continues to weaken, but some are thinking we're near the bottom there. Crude oil is up more than $20 per barrel, from that low, with September West Texas Intermediate closing around $40 this week. We also closed the gap in that chart today. We'll have to wait and see if that slingshot's a little higher, or just stays steady from here. There are still some gaps in the October, November, and December crude oil charts, and without a significant rebound in demand, we could slide back a little lower over the next few months.
1: Alright, so looking at our bear factors on corn, Nationally, crop ratings jumped 3 points to 72% in the good-to-excellent categories, compared to 58% last year at this time, and 69% on average over the last 5 years. While Iowa dropped another 3 points and is now at 77%, it's still above the average of 75 However, most of the rest of the country did improve. Illinois gained 11 points, climbing to 74%, Nebraska added 9 points to get up to 75%. Indiana is now at 65, which is up from 59, and Minnesota continues to improve, hitting 84%, and that's up 1 point. Debate also continues about crop size, but now many in the industry think we're headed to a number greater than 180 bushels per acre versus the current USDA yield estimate of 178.5 bushels per acre nationally. This number is going to be updated in the August 12th WASDE report. And we're starting to hear that some folks are thinking the over underline is closer to 182 at this point. It is usually the outlying states having a good year that produce great national yields. So check out these states. Kansas gained 6 points and is now at 60% good to excellent. South Dakota hit 86% versus an average of 60%. Wisconsin's at 82 versus an average of 76, and some of the other states are below their five-year average. Colorado's at 41% good to excellent versus an average of 74. Texas is at 44 compared to 58, and Ohio is at 49 versus 52. And finally, export inspections fell last week and were the lowest we've seen in 14 weeks. Those came in at 31.4 million bushels. This was 3 million below the low end of the range of expectations. It was also the first time in two months that they fell below the needed pace. While it still feels like we'll meet the USDA's estimate, it's starting to feel like we won't exceed it by much, if any.
0: As far as the soybean bull factors, new crop export sales for last week were reported at 3.344 million metric tons, or almost 123 million bushels. This was well above market expectations, and they were already fairly optimistic for this time of year. This puts new crop sales at 505 million metric tons versus 123 million metric tons at this point last year. When you get a minute, take a look at the soybean futures for the next several months on the board. It's showing just over a nickel carry from November to January, and then flat or even inverted beyond that. There isn't really much of a carry at all past January 2021. In fact, January futures are about the same as November 2021 futures. This is the market telling you that it really wants your beans now, not later. There's really no reason to put them in a bin and expect to be paid to do that. Besides, I have yet to meet a person that likes scooping beans out of a bin. So if you're looking for some cash flow this year at harvest, I'd suggest selling beans and holding corn. There's a decent carry in corn, but you have to sell that carry to earn it. About the only other bullish item I can find this week for soybeans is hope. There is hope that China will buy some more soybeans from the U.S. soon. We saw a nice bounce today on Friday, but we're still trading below $9 on the board. I'd continue to encourage you to sell spikes in beans, especially if and when the November futures are at or above $9.
1: For your bear factors on soybeans, the crop ratings for soybeans were similar to corn, as they also gained 3 points nationally, sitting at 72% good to excellent. Iowa also lost 3 points to hit 76. And again, much of the rest of the country had some big gains. Illinois added 9 points to get up to 76%. Nebraska added 9 and is now at 80%. Minnesota gained 4, mirroring the same 84% as they saw on corn. And Indiana gained 5 points to get up to 65%, good to excellent. The comparisons to the 5-year average are also important to note. Nationally, that 72% compares to an average of 64. Iowa is four points better than their 72% average. Minnesota is 10 points ahead at this time. Illinois is up 14. Indiana is up 11. South Dakota is 27 points ahead of their average. They're currently at 84%. And Missouri is up a whopping 20 points at 69%, good to excellent, compared to the average. Again, with soybeans, the speculation is that the national yield will outpace the most recent USDA estimate of 49.8 bushels per acre. We're going to see what happens in that August 12th WASD. And finally, export shipments last week came in at 17.4 million bushels, which was just above the previous week's 16.6 million. We continue to run below the needed pace, and it looks like the USDA will need to adjust the estimate even lower than we were thinking just a couple of weeks ago. Right now, it appears as if they'll need to cut at least 25 million bushels, and maybe as much as 50 million from their current 1.65 billion bushel number. On our what to watch for in upcoming events, last Friday, we wrapped up the pricing period for our averaging contract on soybeans. We ended at a November futures value of $8.67 per bushel, or $8.6735 to be exact. Current November futures remain above that number, but we'll see how those two compare during the first part of October. We'll see the next WASDE report on Wednesday, August 12th. We should expect some changes to demand and their first change to the yield numbers since their initial estimates. And on our Did You Know? Friday, July 31st is National Mutt Day. So whether it's a Labradoodle or a true Heinz 57, let's be sure to show those dogs a little extra love today.
0: And now for Tom's take. This week I was reminded of the old Creedence Clearwater Revival song, Looking Out My Back Door. And I have to admit, I've been a little guilty of that recently. But when I saw the crop scores on Monday, it really drove the point home. With so many states showing an improvement and Iowa going backwards, it's not hard to conjure up that imagery. It's really hard to be in that one spot in the country with a crop regressing while the rest of the country improves and prices continue to retreat. I also have to remind myself that what is happening in Iowa is not a complete failure, as overall, we're still above that five-year average. Even in the worst parts of the state, the crop is still there, and while it will yield less than it has for many years, It's certainly not on that trajectory of a record crop like we were all hoping for after excellent planting conditions in April. I mentioned this to my dad recently, and he told me about his grandfather losing 240 acres one year. I said something like, well that couldn't have been a good year, and that is when he told me that his grandpa only farmed 80 acres. My dumbfounded look brought the answer. He had planted winter wheat, but it died before it could germinate. So he planted corn, and it withered up and died, and then he finally planted some buckwheat, and again had nothing to show for it. Granted, this was back in the 30s, but still, what a horrible year. So while it might not seem like the right thing to do, based on what you're seeing out your back door, keep looking for your spots. Sell some corn out in those deferred months before you want to deliver it. And with beans, like I said earlier, if and when we see futures spike above $9, make a sale.
1: I think that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to Op or drop an email to podcast at landiscooperative.com. Our tagline is Bears Make Money, Bulls Make Money, and Pigs Just Go to Market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening and we'll be back with you again next week.